This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, again, Lord, we come. Lord, you're the... You're the mother bird, and we just are here with our mouths wide open. And so, Lord, feed us, we pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amos chapter 2. Amos chapter 2, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom into lime. But I'll send a fire upon Moab, and it shall devour the palaces of Kiriot, And Moab shall die with tumult, with shouting and with sound of trumpet. And I'll cut off the judge from the midst thereof, and will slay all the princes thereof with him, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have despised the law of the Lord, and have not kept his commandments, and their lies caused them to err, after the which their fathers have walked. But I'll send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they sold the righteous for silver, and the poor for a pair of shoes, that pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor, and turn aside the way of the meek, and a man and a father will go in unto the same maid, to profane my holy name. And they lay themselves down upon claws, laid to pledge by every altar, and they drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. Yet destroyed I the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. Also I brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up your sons for prophets of your young men for Nazarites. Is it not even thus, so ye children of Israel, saith the Lord? But ye gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets, saying, Prophesy not. 
but I am pressed unto you as a cart that is pressed, that is full of sheaves. Therefore the flight shall perish from the swift, and the strong shall not be strengthened by force. Neither the mighty shall the mighty deliver himself. Neither shall he stand that handleth the bow, and he that's swift of foot shall not deliver himself. Neither shall he that rideth the horse deliver himself. And he that is courageous among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, saith the Lord. Now, we're in the second chapter here of, of Amos. The first chapter, the Lord made a promise. And he said in the second verse, Amos 1-2, Amos 1-2, that he would roar from Zion. The Lord would roar from Zion. And that is exactly how this book of Amos starts with God roaring out judgments from Zion. As the Lord Jesus put it in John 5, 26, John 5, 26, where he said, the Father, as the Father hath life in himself, he hath given to the Son to have life in himself and hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. And so that's what this book is. This book of Amos is a book of judgments where the prophet Amos is really fulfilling the destiny of his life. The destiny of Amos's life is to warn the world of God's judgments. This book of Amos is not a book of peace. This book of Amos is not a book of calm. This book of Amos is a, a book of war and destruction. It's it, book of Amos is it, it's, it's don't read this book before you go to sleep. Don't, don't read this book if you want sweet dreams. It's not a light reading book. It's a book that's heavy. It's a heavy reading. It's a book that makes you, that makes you feel heavy. It's not a book that's going to make you feel relieved. It's, not a, it's a book that's going to make you feel burdened. And that's exactly why the prophet, when he was born as a little baby, and the parents of, uh, of this prophet said, and what shall the baby's name be? And they said, Amos, because God knew that this prophet was going to deliver to the world a message that was heavy, a message that was a burden, and that's exactly what his name means. Amos means heavy or burden or burdensome. And the message that judgment is coming is a heavy burden. It's a heavy burden. It weighs down, it weighs people down, and people today have tried to relieve the burden by saying, this is too much, God is too much. No, 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 this is no. God is the God of love, don't you know? He's not gonna judge man for his sins, the God of judgment, that's the old God. That's the God of the Old Testament, that's the God of the, that God of the Old Testament, he's gone, he left, he died, whatever happened, he's not here today. We have the God of the New Testament, and the God of the New Testament, he won't judge man, he's a God of, of love. That's what people have said, that's what people say, but the New Testament does not agree. 2 Peter 3.3, 2 Peter 3.3 says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they have were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water into the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto the fire against the day of judgment and perdition 
perdition of, my, of, of ungodly men. So this message in Amos, this heavy message, this burdensome message of the prophet in the first chapter in verses three through five covered the judgment of Syria. And then in verses six through seven, it covered the judgment of Gaza. And then in chapter one, verse eight, was the judgment of the Philistines. And then in verses nine and 10 was the judgment of Tyre. And in, judgment, and in verses 11 through 12 was the judgment of Edom. And in verses 13 through 15 was the judgment of Ammon. And in chapter two, where we are now, in the first three verses are the judgment of Moab. All Gentile nations, all heavy, burdensome prophecies of judgment on the Gentile nations judgment of the Gentile nations where the judgments had a focus and the focus is on what those Gentile nations did to, as Jesus put it, Matthew 25, 40, Matthew 25, 40, one of the least of these, my brethren. The Jewish people, which Jesus said was what the Gentile nations had, Matthew 25, 40, done unto me, done unto me. So up to this point, when we are in the book of Amos here, we see that this judgment on the Gentile nations have been pronounced, and those judgments are based especially in what they did to the Jews. And so up until this point in the book of Amos, the Jewish people might breathe a sigh of relief and say, well, for all I've suffered, and you know, my, I've had enough suffering, but then they had it coming. We're the people of God, and so we should be exempt from all the judgments, just like a rabbi once told me. He said, hell, that's only for the Gentiles not for the Jewish people. And God says in this book of Amos, not so fast, because the terrible roar, that thundercloud that, that paused over the Gentile nations one by one with judgments, now in verse four, that same thundercloud of God's judgment has now come to rest over the Jewish people, and that's what the rest of this book is all about, these heavy burdens that are now going to hover with judgments over Israel. And the Jewish people say, why, why, why do we have to suffer? Haven't we suffered enough for the sake of the many holocausts that make up our history? Why do we have to suffer more? And back comes the reply from God in Proverbs 3.12, Proverbs 3.12. Oh, don't you know, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son, in whom he delighted. This is the verse in which God links sonship and love with correction. And God declared to Pharaoh long time ago, Israel, he says, that's my son. That's my son you've got there in slavery in Exodus 4.22, Exodus 4.22, when God told Moses, thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And God told Israel how much he loves them in Deuteronomy 7, 6. Deuteronomy 7, 6, when he said to them, Thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. You were the fewest of all people. And the love of God that God has for Israel, it's not a passive love. It's not a love that God has for Israel. It's, it's not just, oh well, 
It's an intense love, a very intense love. As God said in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 31, 1, Jeremiah 31, 1, at the same time, the Lord saith, I will be a God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus saith the Lord, the people that were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness, even Israel, when I went to cause them to rest. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindnesses have I drawn thee. That expresses the intensity of God's love. It's so strong for Israel that he says, I'm not going to let you get away with it. I'm not going to let you get away with sin. Oh, no, not Israel. And God says about Israel in Amos, God is saying in Amos about Israel, essentially what's said in 1 Peter 4.17, 1 Peter 4.17, the time is come, the judgment must begin at the house of God. And the message that God is sending in the book of Amos is that when it comes to judgment, Romans 10.12, Romans 10.12, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. So because the love of God is so intense for Israel, the, judge of, the, the judgment of Israel is intense because Israel has hurt God. Israel has hurt God. Just this week, the Times of Israel newspaper reported that, that the, a Jewish conservative synagogue performed its first uh, marriage of two lesbian women. The sin of Israel hurts God. It hurts God because the nation of Israel is, is determined to become the world's capital for homosexuality. The sin of Israel hurts God. The sin of Israel hurts God because God's honor in the world has suffered under the sin of Israel. The world knows, the world, everybody knows the Jewish people are God's people. And so the world looks at the Jewish people to see what, what, what's God like? Well, we'll look at the people of God. When we look at the people of God, we'll see what God like. And so what does the world see when they look at the people of God? They see a country that's trying to become the, the capital of homosexuality. The world sees sin in the people of God, and that hurts God's honor. That hurts God's honor. And God's not silent about how he is hurt by, this, by the Jewish people. He cries out in this verse 13 of this chapter, Amos 2.13. Amos 2.13, God says, Behold, I am pressed under you as the cart is pressed that is full of sheaves. Here God is saying how he feels about Israel's sin. He's saying, he's saying he, he, God has said about Israel, he said about Israel, he said in Deuteronomy 33:27. Deuteronomy 33:27. the eternal God, he told Israel, the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And here God is saying, I'm your foundation, I'm underneath you, I'm supporting you from under you, but your sin, Israel, is too heavy for me. The weight of your sin is making me feel like, verse 13, I am pressed unto you as a cart is pressed and full of his sheaves. That's what God is saying to Israel. I'm pressed. The cart is full. I'm pressed. Like the donkey cart I watched one time in Ethiopia as men were kept putting more and more heavy stones into this cart. Is that a donkey cart over by the bus station? and they kept putting more and more heavy stones until finally I watched the donkey just fell down. He fell under when the load of that cart, and that's what God says, I feel like that under the weight of your sins. In verse 13, I am pressed unto you as a cart that's pressed that's full of sheaves. 
And so God's honor in the world has suffered because of the sin of Israel. And he feels, and this is how he feels, and he, he, he says, he's, I'm not going to keep doing this. And so God's heart also suffers now as he looks down the road in the book of Amos that all these judgments that are predicted, it's going to happen to Israel. And so God proceeds to explain the reason for the judgment in verse 4. The reason for the judgment in verse 4, he says, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have despised the law of the Lord, not kept his commandments, and their lies caused them to err, which their fathers have walked. So God says, verse 4, verse 4, they have despised the law of the Lord. The judgment is because of what they've done with the Torah, what they've done with the law, what they've done with the Bible. You see, judgment begins in the house of God, and the judgment is severe to Jews, to the Jewish nation. Why? Because in none of those previous judgments from Tyre and Moab and Ammon and all those Gentiles, none of those previous judgments was anything said about the Torah. Was Nothing was said about the Word of God. Nothing was said about the Bible. But here, God speaks to Israel about their response to his word. Why? Because those other nations didn't have the Bible. Those other nations didn't have the Torah. Those other nations didn't have the word of God. Those other nations didn't have the Bible. And then, if they didn't, if they didn't have the declarations of the word of God and Bible, then how could God judge them? How's God going to judge them? But they did have another set of declarations. They had another set of declarations and one of those, some of those declarations were the skies, the skies themselves, as it says in Psalm 19.1, Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. God has other declarations of his power. This is the declarations of creation. Creation speaks so loudly, Romans 1.19, Romans 1.19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and his Godhead, and they're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So just based on creation, God judges. Romans 2.12, Romans 2.12, as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law, and as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. And this is the judgment we're at right now. And we come to Amos 1.1. In Amos 1.1, God saw concerning Israel. He says, I saw these judgments. I saw these words in Amos 1.1. And now we're getting to, in these verses, starting verse 4, what he saw. None of those nations were judged because of the law of God. Only Judah, it says the judgment there in verse four is they despised the law of God. They had the law of God, but they despised it. Other nations, they didn't despise the law of God. They didn't have the law of God. As a matter of fact, God just judged them because of violating their own conscience, simply what they knew. Creation, witness to me. But Israel has the law of God. We also have the law of God. We have the law of God. We do. And God judged them because they despise the law of God. And that leads us to the question, uh, I don't want to do that. How exactly does a person despise the law of God? Because I don't want to do that. 
When a person despises the law of God, he first regards it as something that has no priority. No priority to read, just not worth taking the time to do. When the Bible is despised, it's not counted as valuable. It's not memorized. It's not, it's not taken to bed with in the mind. It's not held on to as you fall asleep. It's not something you wake up to. Despising the word of God, despising the law of God is to see it as unimportant, not important. When a person, another way a person despises the law of God is when he's just indifferent. He's indifferent. He's so bored with the Bible. He doesn't care what the Bible says. It's, that's the way we were before we came to Christ. That's the description, our description before we came to Christ. That was the, what the Bible calls at that time in Ephesians 2.12, Ephesians 2.12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. So to be indifferent about what the Bible says means to have no real interest in the word of God. But for us to have an interest in the word of God is not just something we wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm interested in the word of God, I'm interested in the Bible. It has to be cultivated. It's cultivated, and the interest in the Bible is cultivated. I appreciated so much of what Don was telling me, Don Ailes was telling me what he's doing with the Sunday school class of his kids, and Don is giving those kids, giving kids the tools like a plow to cultivate an interest in the Bible, a concordance. A concordance is a great tool to cultivate an interest in the Bible. With a concordance, you can follow the words. How is this word used? All the different verses. And you cultivate an interest as you see the Bible's themes and you harness the mind and you harness the thoughts into an interest in the Bible. Another way that the Bible is despises is when a person despises the Bible is when they just don't want to make the Bible familiar to them. They'd rather keep it as something strange. This is what God says in one of his things he had to say against Israel was in Hosea 8.12, Hosea 8.12, where God said, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. That's why Awana is so important. That's why good news clubs are so important because it, that's why pulling the Bible verses out of a little bread box on the table is so important every morning. It helps to make the Bible familiar, not as a strange thing. And then the Bible is, despise, the word of God is despised when a person just becomes non-responsive. Just non-responsive to the Bible. God speaks, and, and the person acts like, I can't hear. I can't hear. And this is what God said. This is what God, how God describes it in Psalm 38, 13. Psalm 38, 13. But I, as a deaf man, heard not. And I was as a dumb man that openeth not his mouth. No response. No hear? No speak. No response. And another way a person can despise the Bible, believe it or not, is when he runs into the cave of religion. The cave of religion. Religion without a personal, active relationship with Christ. Just religion. Jewish friend, Jewish friend of mine, who were in a church with big crucifix, standing there looking at this 500-year-old church, big crucifix. And the Jewish friend says to me, what do Christians believe about Jesus Christ? 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.